Welcome to the Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to The Ramble. I have my dearest brother who I have been trying and trying and trying (laughs) to uh, get on this podcast and I'll explain, will explain why later. Let me tell you about Cameron. Cameron delivers experiential keynotes blending live music with insights on high performance. Hopefully we'll get a little taste of that on the show here. His music has been heard millions of times across 195 countries as, and is performed live by him on a grand piano and acoustic guitar during his keynotes. When he's not on stage, Cameron enjoys privately coaching founders, executives, and family offices, helping them build high-performing teams. He is also a National Geographic Explorer, TEDx speaker, and a proud uncle to four remarkable kids. Brother, welcome. Good to finally be here, Joe. Love it, <laughs> yeah. man. Hey, are you settling into Austin? I am. I am. It's uh, it's only been a, a, a number of weeks, and I've been away for a, for a fair amount of that for a, for a couple of different reasons. But uh, while it's while it's summertime and it's uh, it's it's fairly hot, <laughs> it's fairly hot. Yeah. Well, that that's what they it's say. It's been great right? to get to know people. It's they well, say. Well, the word. Yeah, the the <laughs> the weather wise, the term that people use is brutal. And <laughs> it's. It's fair. It's just, it's relentless heat. So yeah. How does that compare to back home in Australia? Uh, I grew up in the Southern part of Australia, so it gets hotter. It gets hotter where I grew up, but every now and then there'll be a, it'll switch around because it's near the coast and the wind will be coming from the South rather than the North. And so you get that, you know, afternoon, sometimes evening sea breeze. So you get a bit of relief Mm -hmm. in that way. And it's no, it's not as humid either. So yeah, it's a, it's a couple of couple of differences, and um, but yeah, I'm I'm handling it so far. It's uh, hasn't been as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I, I think I put it into my mind as it being something like brutal, brutal. So yeah, that's good. You just you set the worst ex- expectation, right? And that's very stoic of you. Just fear. What is Tim Tim Ferriss calls that fear setting? Marcus Aurelius just negative visualization. I think right. Plan for the yep. worst, and then. If you've accepted yeah. that, it's not it's no big deal. But I'm curious. Making peace with the worst case scenario, yeah. Make peace with the worst case scenario and you're good to go. <laughs> so tell me, because you've had this really, really lucky experience where you've got to live in some of America's coolest towns. You just came from Nashville. Before that, was it Asheville? Or yeah, was I was in Asheville for a Nashville? while. Yeah. Yep. Like, these are all like super vibey towns, slit cities that have had in the last five years, booms, booms of people coming for various reasons. So like, how do you have enough sense of Austin now to say, this is the best, or you're like, ah, Nashville still got it. Or like, what were the things that were great about each of those places and kind of what, and what are you seeing that about Austin that maybe it's the place you want to be? Yeah. Two of the thing, the, the main thing that I'm that I'm wanting to build in this part of the world because I'm this is home now, you know, this part of the world, and I'm not from here originally. So all of my family are still back in Australia. Uh, they are at 
minimum three five, but most of them are four flights away and more than thirty hours to get back to where I where I grew up and where my family is. So it's a, it's just a it's a long way, and so community becomes even more important. Belonging becomes even more important because I don't have that part of my life here in a you know in person, and so uh, building a community, a strong community in a specific geographical location is something that has grown in importance for me over the last few years. I lived a, a number of years very nomadically throughout Latin America and uh, you know, across America as well as over in Europe. And that's been an amazing experience, but it's not allow, it hadn't allowed me, at least for me personally, to build uh, deep connections, in an, again, in an in-person environment. I've got remarkable friendships. You're absolutely one of those in, in different parts of the world. But a specific geographical location, again, I just haven't had that for a lot of for many years now. So building that in a specific location, that's what I've been looking for. And I've got, you know, certain criteria, criteria around. Them. Uh, but it was also a shift for me uh, with the, the speaking side of what I do, getting upended in a way and uh, being very much disrupted throughout the, uh, the last few years. Uh, it was one of the industries that got decimated, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was about reinventing the keynote experience where it's delivering in person when it would come back, but also building out a virtual space that would allow for the delivery of the experience that I do in person, you know, being mm -hmm. able to play live music and for it to not just be a gimmicky kind of feel, but actually have it nice and classy and the professional audio set up. And so, you know, the space that I've got where there's the, you know, behind me is the, you know, beautiful piano and that's hooked up to, it can be hooked up to things like this as well as uh, speaking engagements where the it's broadcast quality audio and same with the guitar now uh, that I play and, and with the vocals as well. So that just nowhere near as portable as my, my life isn't anywhere near as portable as it used to be. It used to be backpack in a suitcase and I could just cruise and, and be in a place where I had a piano to be able to write music on. Uh, but I didn't need the quality of sound and the quality of video to be able to deliver what I do now. So, yeah, there's a few things that shifted. And, yeah, Austin is a, so far at least, the, the people that I've been introduced to, I'm inspired by. Uh, the people that I've been introduced to and that I've reached out to on my own accord have been open to building connection and building relationships again very early stages but uh, initial stages show that it's uh it's a place that's very welcoming and and that there's a lot of cool stuff going on so I'm, I'm pumped to be here and and definitely can see myself being here for at least the next two to five years and we'll see where we go from there i've always found that to be true of texas i haven't been to that i've been in nashville for all of a, a full day so i can't i can't make a judgment call i know one of my buddies just moved to Asheville and he he finds it quite lovely. He calls it a purple state. He said it's a great blend of red and blue and, and just people really love living life and kind of hover around in, in the middle. And so it's, yeah, I kind of live vicariously through you. <laughs> you know, you're, you're so good, you're <laughs> nomadic. You're getting, you're getting to have not only these global experiences as a, as a digital nomad, but the, you know, the great country of America has some of the greatest cities in the world and you're getting to experience so many of them. You kind of touched on it and there's a few directions I wanted to go from what you just said. But the first one that I thought, call it a hack, call it whatever you want, but because you had such a specific set of rules when you were 
or it's not rules, excuse me, needs when you were traveling, i.e. a piano. <laughs> you know, most people are backpacking or like, does that Airbnb have a grand piano? Um, like how, like just walk me through selecting, setting up, moving on and staying productive as someone who's literally been on the road for a decade. You have had longer stays in places years at a time, mm. but you've literally been on the road for a decade. So like, what does that look like for you? And what could somebody glean from that? You kind of touched mm. on a few things with you know audio and different things like that, but yeah, just, you know, in your words. Yeah, I had this experience, when was it? 2016, and I just started hosting events in the US, uh, invite only dinners and lunches and i'd already been hosting them in australia they were ways of getting remarkable people together and uh, allowing great discussions to occur and, and for me to build some some relationships with great people and so i started building them in uh, and doing them in la and new york first up and i remember on my first trip back it's march 2016 and i was looking out the window of the plane on the flight back and it was just this feeling of like there's just stuff sitting at my place, not being used, somebody else would be better off with it than I would. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do anything about it then. So I, you know, when I got back, I just went straight into planning out the next series, which was like three months later. And I had to also plan out for the next trip, recording music in Santa Monica at a studio. Uh, there was a photo shoot that I wanted to do in, in LA uh, while I was here. And, and then there was speaking engagements that I did while on that trip as well. So, so there was a lot that was going on and, I, and so, you know, there was that almost like that little voice that I, I know I've heard plenty of times. <laughs> it's like just a just a little insight that you've got to be quiet enough to hear it. Mm -hmm. But even when you hear it, sometimes you don't necessarily listen to it. Or if you even if you listen to it, you don't necessarily act on it. And I didn't act on it straight away. It wasn't until that's that next trip. And it was, it was a crazy time. It was a two week period. I hosted then events. I think it was uh, LA, New York. Toronto and then also the recording music also giving a talk also the last day was the photo shoots was the only day that I had off out of everything else and that day we the finished up down at Malibu uh, doing a final part of the shoot there and got an uber and I was hoping to get at least some food on the way back. I didn't even have time to do that. I had to go straight to the airport and flew straight back to Australia because then I had four events back here within mm. the next week and a half then. And so it was intense. And I remember after doing the first two events, the first one in particular, a good friend of mine was, was at that event to help out just with people entering in and making sure they felt welcome. And afterwards, I said, oh, how did I do? And she said, you did well. You're you're tired, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I said, oh, God, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> like she could see it that I was just exhausted. And I went to get a, a massage in Melbourne because I had to fly to Melbourne uh, that day and flew over to Melbourne. Went to get a massage the next day. And it's, you know, when you get like an amazing massage and they know exactly where to go in your body and they're getting right into the knots and just it just gets you this was the exact opposite of that like it was the worst massage that i'd ever had and, and like come on man, give me a break i got up to brisbane and i and i came down with a bit of a cold it wasn't you know extremely sick or anything like that but it was enough to to have me go you know what well, this isn't 
I'm not sure if this is a sustainable way to go about how I'm doing things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it led me to ask a couple of questions. One was, okay, what do I, what do I want to do? And I had over the last, what was it, 18 months, discovered my love of travel. I'd only been outside of the country you know, early 2015. And so this was, yeah, it was literally 18 months, 16, 16 to 18 months later, I had discovered this love of travel. And so I wanted to be able to travel, number one. So notice that there was this building of this criteria for success around what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those tuning in, that's to be able to take from this. This is what I'd be taking from this. So there was, I want to be able to travel. I still want to be able to coach people from wherever I am. So there has to be a good enough internet connection and I've got to be able to continue doing that. And I still want to create music at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I went, okay, cool. So I thought, all right, well, well, how can I go about this? And then, you know, gave myself some space to be curious about it. And okay, I wonder what I could do here. And then I thought, oh, I wonder if there's like a piano that I could roll up in my suitcase that <laughs> stuff that away and cruise around the world. <laughs> so I look up on, online. Guaranteed high is. quality piano. <laughs> Guaranteed <laughs> high quality. It's literally $60 or something like that it was, $60, $70. And yeah, you can get it. It rolls out and it puts in the piano. In, puts, you can put it in your, uh, in your suitcase. But again, as you alluded to, very poor quality. <laughs> and for as someone grew up on actual pia- an actual piano, it uh, wasn't even going to come close to cutting it. And so it wasn't an option. But what I love about this, and this would be the second lesson, the first is build that criteria for success. The second is, is that curiosity tends to feed on itself. Mm-hmm. And if you give it enough space and you go into it with curious language and curious tonality, these two major parts of curiosity, Curious language on its own isn't enough. Curious tonality has to be there as well. Curious language, for example, would be, oh, what am I going to do? Versus, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah, it's exactly the same language, but it's completely different tonality. One closes you off from options because you're fearful and you need to know. The other opens you up because you don't know and you're okay with that. And so you head out into the unknown, which is where all of your answers live to the current challenges that you're experiencing. Everything that you currently know is what got you the problem in the first place. Everything that you don't know is what allows you to solve the challenge. Yeah, Combined maybe with some of the stuff that you currently know or maybe reordered, but you've got to be able to be in the space of the unknown and be comfortable in being there long enough for curiosity to be able to feed on itself and to become a bridge from where you are to where it is that you're actually wanting to be. And that's exactly what happened here. And it was very short time after it was, I wonder if there's pianos in places around the world that I could stay in mm-hmm. that already are there and then I could just go and stay in them and create and then uh, do whatever I'm going to do coaching-wise and can then move on and go and experience the world that way. And so I found this advanced search on Google that you can, you know, you're able to do and search a specific, the specific you know, short-term rental websites and you know, keyword of piano and Bingo! <laughs> Pianos everywhere, all in mountains and in you know the boats and rivers and uh, these beautiful locations all around the world. And so I just bookmarked all of these different places and then just went and made it happen. And there's a few other things that that led to again selling everything, but that that was really the the catalyst there specifically was that there was a criteria for success. I realized the way in which I could build and, and uh, fulfill that criteria for success. And then as I went about it, it was a great uh, alignment there for the period of time that I was doing it for until a point where years later, it came a need for actually having a specific piano that I can plug straight into 
zoom that is still extraordinary quality and and get the sound that I need to be able to deliver extraordinary talk. So the criteria changed. This is important. The criteria change and that's what happens over time, right? We evolve as humans, we evolve in terms of what we're doing business-wise, life-wise, relationship-wise, health-wise, and we determine then, okay, what's the criteria now? Because what can happen is that we continue doing things that solve the challenge that we had yesterday, but it's not necessarily solving it today because the criteria has changed. Mm -hmm. And if you can be aware enough, I find, and give yourself space to be able to reflect and understand what's next and how are my values shifting, what are beliefs are shifting and where are my priorities changing, then you can go about determining, okay, what are the options now that I have for, for fulfilling that criteria and then what am I actually going to do as a result and then you go about executing. And to me, that's just a, a methodical and a pretty logical way to go about it. I mean, travel travel gives you that, right? Like this idea, like the the, the interesting paradox of travel is that you're going to a destination. So you, by definition, you think that the destination is the answer, is the freedom, is the pleasure, is, is, is what you seek or what you need. And then you get to the destination and there's a whole new set of things that you have to figure out. You have to, you know, you have to work from there because everything changes by the time you get there. And I find it so important what you're saying with regards to really the freedom and the ability that you have to be successful comes from continually working the problem that's in front of you or working problem might be too big of a word working this working the questions we're keeping curious in the moment of i didn't expect this to be the be all end all i'm gonna keep going i'm gonna keep asking i'm gonna keep facing these 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 situations and refining and editing and 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 then adjusting and then moving forward and uh and and that's what kept you successful and and one of the things that came to mind when you were speaking two things came to mind you know i I wanted to know so this is going to digress back a little bit cam but like when you heard the voice when you said you heard the voice in your head and sometimes people don't hear it at all because they're not quiet enough and sometimes people hear it but they they don't act on it I wanted to know why it was that you didn't act on it then and what has changed in your life that you continue to act on it now. And the second thing was when you said, you know, you, you essentially had the conditions for success in terms of finding the right place, right? So it needed a piano, it needed these things. When I uh, give somebody a project in one of my companies, there's a, and they, and they, they go about to complete the project. There's also a condition of satisfaction that has said, okay, this project has been successful and they know what that condition of satisfaction is. So was your condition for success, i.e. getting to the place with the piano, also the condition of satisfaction, whereas you know that was it, that was all you needed to do or did being there have to achieve something? I, you know, You had to be making music still. The town had to inspire you the coaching clients had to still be coming that, you know what I mean? Like, did you have a, Oh, okay. This isn't working. This isn't actually met the markers of satisfaction that I was looking for, even though it met the markers of success that I needed to to book it in the first place. Mm. Do we, you know, answer them any which way you want backwards for, it doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, in in terms of the the quick answer with the, the first part of why I didn't listen to the voice first up, it was, it was a whisper. And, and, then, and then because of the busyness of what was going on, 
I, I, I would say I didn't have a big enough reason to get rid of everything that I owned. It was a whisper of, yeah, there's, it's just a thought really of, oh, there's stuff that be, somebody would be better off with it than I would. And that might be enough for somebody to go, you know what? I should probably get rid of a few things from my house, not just sell everything, like get rid of everything and leave the country. Uh, and it was a whisper and the, that whisper grew into a, into a stronger voice when I came back and then I, I got unwell during that time. Again, it wasn't an extreme sickness, but it was enough for me to go, okay, something is off track here where it's not quite how I want it to be. And okay, that led to the reflection point to then be, okay, what am I going to do specifically next? And so I didn't take that time after I got back the first trip. And yeah, part of that was that I just simply went into the went into the things that I was doing next. And so, yeah, I definitely love to make time now, lesson from that, making time for reflection and ensuring that I am still, that my values are still the same that the way in which I'm fulfilling on those values is still is still most aligned, mm-hmm. is still the best way of going about it. And then the way in which I'm executing in that specific vertical is still the best way to go about it as well. And there's a, a couple of examples how that shifted over the last few years as well. There was a there was a moment in I was in Argentina and I this will give the answer to the second part of the of the question. It was I think part of it for me was simply the the state of exploring the world. I hadn't explored that much of the world. And so I, I feel like that from a satisfaction standpoint was was a part of it. I also wanted to be able to uh, showcase parts of the world. So I was filming and then creating soundtracks for those and creating nature sounds and building that all together. Uh, and I was uh, out you know, in the wilderness and, and, and doing those those pieces. And uh, it, was, uh, it was something that I love to do. It wasn't necessarily like the business model as such. The business model was the coaching side would allow that to be taken care of. And so, yeah, the one of the criteria was that there had to be a specific number of coaching clients that I was working with at any one time, which allowed everything else to function. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that allowed me the space to be able to create. Right, And when I got out of, I just spent three months living in Colombia and I filmed a drone and recorded the nature sounds there. And then I was writing the soundtrack for it on a grand piano in Argentina, which I'd only stumbled across. I had no intention of going to Argentina. And this, again, I think is where the curiosity comes in. The criteria was the piano, right? I stumbled across a place that I hadn't found yet that was in Argentina, reached out to the guy and he said, yeah, I've been thinking about doing this as more of a longer term rental, but if you wanted to rent it for at least two months, then it's yours. And I thought, I might not get this opportunity to do this again because it's a, this is a, like a concert grade piano in this apartment. Like, you know what? Sure. <laughs> so I you know, went off and did that. I, I did a uh, trip down there. And within the first week, it's reflecting, I'm just thinking about it now, that first week, it was monumental for me that, and I didn't know it at the time. And the, the reasons for it is I wrote, I wrote a few songs. I wrote the soundtrack for the Colombian video, uh, the nature video. And then there was this moment that I had where I was lying on the bed in this first week and I, I would find myself when I'd go to the new country asking myself okay what what's next like where where am i going from here like what am i doing and it wasn't in a negative way of oh man what am i doing with my life it was okay what's the next phase what's the next next level that i'm growing into and and this question just 
popped into my mind randomly. And it's a question that I now ask every single one of my clients when they first start working with me. It's a question that I continue to ask myself over and over again. I think it's such a beautiful question to ask. And it's, if I died today, what's the one thing I've regretted not doing? Mm-hmm. And I've had before, you know, going through coaching training with taught to ask questions like, imagine your life and you're 80 years of age and you're sitting on a rocking chair on your front porch. What's your life been all about to make it, you know, for it to be a really beautiful life that you've been through? And it's a great exercise to go through. But if you're pretty young still, you say got 30, 40, 50, 60 years to make that come to fruition, it can lead to some complacency. Mm. I've got plenty of time to make that happen. But if I'm dead now, what haven't I done that I wish I had. And immediately for me, immediately, it was having a grand piano on stage while delivering a talk. Mm -hmm. And it was this elusive dream that I'd had for a number of years. It's one of the reasons for getting into the coaching space to begin with back in late 2010 was to somehow blend these two together in a way that made a difference. I wanted to make a difference, wanted to make an impact on the music side, but I, I didn't know how. I'd tried some other things. I'd set up a website that you know featured people's meaningful music from around the world. That was like a first iteration of this, and then that didn't work that well. We did some live shows and things like that, but um, it was... <laughs> I'm thinking back to that. The way, <laughs> the way I went about that, I learned how to build a website This is, you know, uh, like from scratch. And I made these like the boxes that had like the artist image, the name of the song. And then each week, uh, the order (laughs) for them, like it was like a chart, right? You know, like, you know, your charts for the week. And I would reorder those songs manually and put them at the top and then do the next one down there and the next one down there every week. <laughs> I didn't know any of the, the the things that were out there from programs and plugins and stuff like that. Uh, and it wasn't until I yeah, stumbled across WordPress and what that could do. Uh, until then, I was just like literally from scratch. It was like a, <laughs> a start from scratch website and I was manually changing the the artist uh, ratings and rankings every, every single week. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's like, that's so, like, do it yourself, do it. Yeah, that's funny, but... <laughs> Total DIY. DIY. Oh man, classic. Of, but uh, like, what do you make of the sponta- spontaneity versus the structure, where you're mm. you're you're creating a set of circumstances that need to be met to be to, for a place to be successful, versus leaping into the unknown of something that might not meet all the satisfactions, but there's a it answers the question of death regret it or or it answers the call within in that moment mm. and sort of toggling between the, the two sides of of oneself as they try and make that decision and the follow-on to that is do you find as an artist and as a professional coach that there is a certain creativity and or productivity that comes from that spontaneity it's a great question and I believe it changes depending on the circumstances that mm. we're in and mm. where, what stage of the process we're in as well. So going on like what I was just sharing about, right, when I first started back in, again, late 2010, I had this dream or idea of somehow bringing music and making a difference in that way in some way shape or form and uh, had no idea how i was going to go about that and 
I got booked for a talk with a grand piano on stage. I think it was maybe two or three years after that. Oh, it's finally happening. (laughs) And I had further clarity about it. And then like two days before that event, it got canceled. Mm. And I was crushed, heartbroken. It was like this elusive dream was finally coming through and then it just went away in an instant. And so I went away from it for a period of time. I thought, oh, maybe this just isn't going to work out. So I went back to more of a traditional way of speaking, a traditional way of uh, doing what I do. And and it wasn't until, uh, again, the... There needs to be an understanding as to where it is that you're wanting to go. But if you need all the criteria right away, you'll never do anything with it. That's what I find. It's the same as writing a song. If I need it to go a certain way, I usually suck at writing a song. But if I allow it to flow through, and it's almost like this co-creating with whatever that thing is, uh, that, that is that is where the magic happens. And and same with in Argentina, that question. If I died today, what's the one thing I regretted not doing? grand piano on stage while delivering a talk, all of a sudden it was clear, right? Now it was clear. It was right. You know what you want. You've got clarity about what you want. You know how you're going to go, want to go about it. You want to deliver a talk, which would, there's got to be some education in there, right? There's got to be a talk and there's got to be a grand piano on stage as well. So now there's real, real clarity about that. So I was then able to go about executing in a very specific way. And so I went about reaching out to every single person that I had had built a relationship with in the years before. saying, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do over and over and over until I came across somebody who said, Hey, we've got an event coming up and you know, there's a two that we've got in the same day. There's going to be seven. There's uh, there's there's 700 people at each. Yeah. It was at, it was at the performing arts center. So there was already a grand piano there. It was already going to be available. And, and so, you know, I went about, delivering that. Now, what was crazy beautiful about that as well, I mentioned how that that first week in Argentina, I had no intention of being in Argentina. And yet that first week was profoundly life-changing in in a number of ways. One, it led to me asking that question. So you asked the question about spontaneity. I had no intention of being there. I had the the criteria of piano, place that I can coach from uh, virtually, and travel to new locations, right? So those three were the main three. Yeah, there's some other pieces in there as well. Those three, so then the spontaneity is, oh, well that criteria gets taken care of. You know what? Let's go for it. Those three are met, do it. And so going there, that week led to me giving my first talk then with the grand piano on stage Mm -hmm. and has led to everything since. Uh, It led to the, the soundtrack that I wrote in that first week was how I opened up that talk. Mm-hmm. And the footage was from the video that I edited in Argentina that was from Colombia. That Colombian video ended up going viral and then also led to me then becoming a National Geographic Explorer to go back to Colombia. I've just come back from there um, filming it for a project there uh, about you know, from a sustainability standpoint. So it led to that. It led to then me uh, being invited to deliver the closing talk at Italy's largest TEDx event, uh, where the song that we utilized was one was the, one of the songs that I wrote in that first week in Argentina on that piano as well. And so I go, whoa, yeah. like that week. So so I'd say, yeah, from a spontaneity point of view, there's a time and a place for spontaneity. There's a time and a place for execution. And you've got to find, I, I, the way I see it is you find that balance at different times and you start off with a certain level of criteria based on this is the outcome that I want to experience. 
And you might not even have the outcome clear enough as to what you want to do, let's say business-wise. Maybe it's simply, I want to be happy. I want to do something that lights me up. All right? So then you're able to go and test out spontaneity. Oh, get invited, go and test out something else. Go invited to an event or an experience of some description. Or you've got, you go and test out a certain course, for example, and you ask yourself, do I feel lit up? Mm-hmm. Something that I might want to pursue a little more. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you enter into it a little bit more. Maybe it lights up even more again and again. And this happened, uh, just thinking about it, this happened with the guitar. I had no idea how to play, play the guitar until I, uh, 2021, August 15th, August 14th, 2021. I said to my producer, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, living there for a month. And I said to my producer, I said, Christo, it's over, over a call. I said, man, do you think I should learn guitar? Notice the language. Like I didn't even have, there was no conviction whatsoever. It was kind of like- Pure curiosity. Uh, like, it was an inkling. Do I, yeah, there was a key level of curiosity there. And and it was, he said, yeah, we, you probably should because we had uh, you know a bunch of uh, guitar-based songs that we were producing that didn't really have much piano. I'd written them on the piano, but then we'd, we'd turn them into more guitar-based rock songs. Mm-hmm. And so I said, all right, I'll get a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so it was almost reluctantly you answered your own doing question. it. It was a reluctance to actually doing it. So notice, notice that this, because this is important, I feel. It's not that you have to have massive clarity or this, this strong yearning for doing something before you actually get started with something. What it was, was, well, this would probably add versatility to the talks that I deliver. Because, you know, a piano on stage, there's only a certain number of events that can actually do that. They either they have to have the budget, they have to have a piano that's accessible, uh, they've got to have the space on stage as well. Like there's a number of factors that go into actually getting a grand piano on stage. And so I thought, well, if I want to do this for the rest of my life, then uh, that makes sense that I maybe should do that. So I get the, I get the, I order it on, on, on Amazon, it, it arrives the next day. And I, I say to myself, if I could just do an hour a day, mm-hmm. an hour a day would be monumental. I'd picked up the guitar, you know, a few times before. And as soon as my fingers had start hurting, I'd, you know, crawl back over to the piano when, when my fingers were okay. <laughs> right. And so, so I'd always, always gone back to the piano because it was much easier. This time around, there was something that shifted because there was a bigger sense of purpose around it. But the purpose grew over time through the experiences that I had, both with the guitar and actually without the guitar. First up, I started with an hour a day and I was doing an hour a day. I thought, you know what? This seems like it might be doable of an hour a day. So I was doing that for a while and then I eventually wrote a song on the guitar. And after I finished it, I thought, huh, I, uh, I don't think I would have written this on the piano. Mm-hmm. It's a different style. It's a different feel. Mm-hmm. And then this light bulb went off. Oh my gosh, all this creativity that I haven't had access to before, I am opening up to now. I've got this whole new realm of what I can access when it comes to my creative expression. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of who I am and my values. So the sense of purpose went up. So not only was there versatility with the talks and being able to develop further opportunities from a business standpoint, there was developing further opportunities for creative expression. So there's now it's double the reason to do it. The next one that happened- like that's that's kind of answering the question about travel where you know the the new stimulus the new environment the new culture yep. opens up new doorways 
and you're talking musically, 100%. that just happened for you, right? And that happens in so many ways. And, and you know, hence, if we get stagnant, we shut off so much, you know, some of it we don't need, but, but some of it might become, to your point, the purpose. The yeah, purpose, right? 100%, 100%. And that's where having, you might not have clarity about exactly where you're going, but you'll have a general idea as to what values you want to live by. Mm-hmm. You have a general general idea about what you're wanting to experience. Mm-hmm. You might not know how you're going to do it or how you're going to go about it or anything like that, but you have a general idea there. And that was like creativity. It's one of my values, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to be out from a, a growth and mastery standpoint, that's one of my values. Uh, then there was this uh, experience that I had where I got sick, thought it might be COVID. So when got tested at one of those drive-throughs, drive-through places, this is when it, like at the height of stuff going on. So there's a lot of cars all lined up, and I drive, and I'm like, oh man, it's gonna take ages. And then I drive in, and one of the first cars I drive past, and there's this dude sitting back in his driver's seat playing his acoustic guitar. <laughs> and I just looked and thought, huh, oh, I could have brought mine. Yeah. And I didn't even think can't about it because I've always been. To the- <laughs> <laughs> I can't bring a grand, grand piano. So all of a sudden, that opened the my mind one. up to. You can bring the roll up one. So that would have allowed them for the freedom, right? But this is all of a sudden, it was freedom. Yeah. It was my freedom to be able to take the guitar, take the two things that I love, like places that I love to go to, and music that I have grown up with and love to play. And now I have an instrument that I can take to those locations. And that led to a massive new level of freedom to, for me to for do that. I ended up uh, being so obsessed. It was 2,000 hours over 500 days that I did. So it was four hours a day every day for 500 days. Right? I just started with a, you know an hour a day. And I'll say when it came to, just to really drive home the freedom aspect the 2000th hour, I was back in Australia by then visiting family. No one was home that day when it was the 2000th hour. And for the final 15, 20 minutes, I, I went and sat on the, ch- <laughs> I went and sat on the chimney of the house that I grew up on, <laughs> grew up in, on the roof as it's raining and there's a storm coming through. The lighting was far enough away where it wasn't dangerous. So I'm, I'm, I'm there playing the guitar, doing my 2000th hour on the chimney, like I just went, where is the place where I couldn't take the piano? Like the most, the, the, the place I could least take the piano. The uh, and it was just, for, yeah, it was the chimney. It was the chimney. So <laughs> it was just, you know, no, no one, no one else needs to know. Um, I'll share this now because it's a, mm-hmm. it's an exam. It, it was me driving at home. Yeah. You did this for the right reasons. You did this for the, the clarity that you had. And one of those major components was a sense of freedom uh, that, and that has, has paid massive dividends since. So uh, that's what I'd say. That's Again, fantastic. clarity comes. Clarity comes. There's one song that I wrote a while ago, uh, and the, the the simple line is: "There's life in all this messiness. A shoulder to cry on, a, a loving hand. Uh, clarity comes from not knowing at first. Mm. All in time, my friend. Mm-hmm. Clarity comes from not knowing at first. All in time, my friend. That line, and and that's what happens. We don't know to start with." And we'll have levels of clarity that we that we have, but that levels of clarity shouldn't ever stop us from taking certain levels of action mm-hmm. that then lead us to fa- generating further clarity, that lead us to solidifying our view or, well, solidifying our view. And that view could be, I'm going to continue, or it could be, I'm going to stop. I bought an Indian flute before I got the guitar. 
I don't have the Indian flute anymore. Right? <laughs> I don't have it. I got it. And I, you know, put it for a little I bit. I mean, you could have played the Indian flute on the chimney. That, absolutely I could have. That would, been, <laughs> that could have been kind of cool, right? But there was, it wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't going to write a song on it. Free, you know, uh, creative expression. I, freedom was still there. There wasn't added, added versatility in terms of the talks. I could have had it on stage, but it wouldn't have been that impressive that you know on stage of maybe being able to have a you know be able to play a song and sing a song yeah it do, could be cool you now want to see this i want at least <laughs> I one of your TED again. to have the indian flute at some point in your long and beautiful life that's what i want to see fair call fair call all right i right, you, so- you have my you have my word i'm gonna go and buy uh repurchase an indian flute and all, uh all give me give me five song. to ten years Five to ten years, and, uh, yeah, and you'll see it in one of the talks. You, you just got to do five notes and say that was for Joel. All right, back to the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but, but okay, I want to I want to put a pin in the guitar, and I want to come back to it because there's a ton I want to unpack there. A ton I want to unpack there. But I just want to go back to something you said. I want to take a moment of pause and and reflect on the fact that there was a two three year journey from the time it, you said you wanted to do something and something happened. And I think that's really important to, to always remember. It's like you have to stay so committed to that dream, so committed to that goal for it to manifest. And mm. this is getting to the, to, to the question. I mean, you and I, I'm not going to say you bitch and complain. I bitch and complain all the time when we chat about how long things take and how frustrating <laughs> it gets when you're trying to create art and trying to be, have art be recognized and monetize art, etc. But so you have the moment where you have the rejection, not the rejection, the event gets canceled and your heart falls to the floor, right? And so there's two parts to this. One is, do you coach yourself? Are you able to coach yourself like you would coach somebody else in that moment? Um, Putting on, you know, Cam, the artist who just got his heart ripped out and Cam, the coach who knows all the things he's supposed to do to, to overcome this. Um, and the second part, which relates to your point about if I died tomorrow, what would I regret in relation to the pursuit of the dream versus the dream being done, which is something you talk about. So what happens in that scenario as you're coaching that person where they would regret in your case, never playing the piano on stage, Stage while doing a talk but you never get to because you die now you got that phone call and you died the next day but you had just spent three years working on that and so you had done it you just hadn't done the act on stage so how how does that how does all that sort of tie together it's a question dump but have at it yeah so on, on the coaching side of me being able to coach myself, I've gotten much better at it. I would say back then when it happened, yeah, I didn't, like I had skill sets and I had gone through a huge amount of transformation for myself, but around that specifically, I hadn't, I didn't necessarily have the capacity to be able to do that. That's grown over time because otherwise I would have done it and I would have continued being focused on it. So I, I allowed, I'm just thinking about this because I haven't thought about it for a long time. I allowed the external environment to dictate my decision-making going forward. And as a result, chose to move away from that for a period of time until it came back again in 2017 when I was in Argentina. 
And so that that was, and that's a, I mean, it's a huge lesson. It has been a huge lesson for me over and over that if you allow, if the external world's representation that occurs outweighs the level of certainty that you have in your own self in order to be able to achieve something great, something specific, then you will succumb at and you know, be at the mercy of your external world. And so if the external world presents you with the opportunity to go for it, you believe you can do it. If the, oppor- if the opportunity doesn't come, you don't believe you can do it and doubt creeps in. I just had this session with a, with a coaching client just yesterday and we were talking about this exact thing. And, it's and going, so that- right? It's never, the external world is, it is always going to do that. There, were, there is always going, you know, if you're, unless you're in a science lab, there are <laughs> going to be circumstances that are going to occur that challenge you that that are, are out of maybe out of alignment with what it is and it could be on a small scale it could be on a massive scale but know that it's going to happen in some way shape or form so our ability to be resilient our ability to be able to overcome and, and overcome adversity is absolutely paramount mm-hmm. and i had literally just this experience uh, a week two weeks ago so i was in uh this will this will show how i i feel i've grown and then there's a framework that uh, that came out of this as well. So I was in Colombia and we're filming for this project. Two, uh, one part of this was going down this uh, river with class four and class five rapids, the Samana River. And this, it's the last free flowing river in this specific area. And we had a two day expedition down there going down in the raft. And the night that we stayed, we you know, got the raft onto the side and uh, set up hammocks out, out in the jungle. About 10 o'clock, PM rolls around, we're all starting to go to bed. And uh, the person that I'm with suggests suggest that we do a time-lapse of the stars kind of over the river where the canyon, you know, there's a beautiful canyon there, the river's going and flowing beautifully. And there's a little bit of, you know, cloud, mostly clear and you know, the stars are over there. And I, I didn't really know too much around about the time-lapse side of things. And so I was a little bit reluctant to do it. I thought, oh, I don't even know if we're gonna use this in the video. And, and he was, you know, pretty insistent on, yeah, we should do this. All right, I'll go down and make it happen. So I grabbed the camera, grabbed my best lens for this, set it up and there's these massive rocks next to the river. Set it up on one of the rocks, get, make sure it's all stable, it's all, all great. And I've, I do get this really nice location where the, the stars are over above. I'm in the middle of the, where the canyon is and, and it looks great on, on camera. I think, you know what, this might be all right. I asked him before that, I, was, I said, you know, is, it, is there any chance that it might rain? And he said, no, it's not, not really likely that it'll rain tonight. I said, all right. And he said, even if it does, <laughs> Laura, you should wake up anyway. So, <laughs> I go back, to, go back to the hammock. Go back to the hammock. And I, you know, it's a beautiful situation to be able to fall asleep. You know, you're rocking just gently back and forth and lying in the trees the sound of the jungle at night and the river off in the distance. It's just a beautiful setting. And I drift off to sleep pretty easily. And then I, I wake up all of a sudden and you have these experiences. I know I, I have where sometimes I'll wake up at night and it takes a few seconds to adjust to realize, hang on, like where you are and what's going mm-hmm. on. And, and that, you know, you know, woke up, Oh no! And I, I realize it's raining, and I oh, jump out of the hammock and I get my headlamp on, and I run down to, to through the jungle down to this river. I call out to this guy, you know, say, "Oh, oh you go get the other camera." And uh, so I'm running down. I get down to the river. I start jumping on these massive boulders, 
realize that they become very slippery with the rain. And so I've got to be careful to jump over, jump over, jump over. I get to my my camera. I've got my phone in, in my hand to be able to make sure that I have an extra light if I needed it. I gra- I've got my phone in my in my this hand in one hand. In my other hand, I grab the tripod and I've got the camera. I switch that off and I go to jump onto the next rock and I slip oh. and I fall. And oh. I've got nothing to brace my fall because both of my hands are full with oh. gear, right? My phone in one hand, my camera and tripod in the it's other. I come crashing <laughs> down on this rock, like smashed, like bent down on it. My, my phone falls out of my hand and into the water. Oh. My lens, my best lens that I've got for this whole filming trip smashes against the rock. I'm in serious pain and I, I get up and I'm seething now. Like I'm so frustrated. I'm like, I didn't even want to do this time lapse. I'm so <laughs> frustrated. And I get myself up. I, I look down and my phone and I, it's lit up. So I, like, I reach down and I'm able to grab the phone, grab it out, turn it off in the off chance that that's going to be okay. I then get myself back up to where the campsite was. He'd gotten the other camera by then and was there packing it up. I wanted to say something so badly in that moment. Wasn't going to rain, I just eh? knew- <laughs> 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 Oh, it would have been a good so, line, man. <laughs> would have been something along the lines of that and maybe uh, maybe a few few extra words. I would have said, like, I really wanted to say something. But I knew, I knew that nothing good was going to come from that conversation. You know, we had a, m- multiple days still to be able to film together. And again, nothing good was going to come from that conversation while I'm in this state, right? So I just held back from saying anything at all. If I was going to say anything, it was going to be the next day. I, we end up packing everything up. The rain's gotten a little bit lighter by now. So get it into the dry bags, go back to, back to bed. Get into the hammock, I'm rocking back and forth, still frustrated, maybe slightly less with the rocking back and forth. It's like, like getting, me, getting me in a, maybe a little bit of a better space. Mother nature. Maybe rock to sleep. <laughs> And I asked myself in that moment, I said, dude, there's got to be a lesson in this. There's got to be a lesson in this. What can you learn from it? What can you learn from it? And I'm just rocking back and forth. I go, you know what? There, there is. Let me think it through. Okay. Number one, uh, perspective. This could have been so much worse, dude. You're in the middle of the jungle and you could have easily smashed your head against the rock when you fell down. You had nothing to brace your fall. If the rocks had just been in a slightly different position, or if you'd fallen in a slightly different way, you could have smashed your head against the rocks. The only way out from our expedition was down the river. So we would have had to go down there in the raft, took a day to get to where we were going. There's no no way out. It's just it's jungle either side, like an and untouched jungle where we were. So that was perspective. Like my phone miraculously still worked afterwards. So that it could have been much worse. Uh, my camera, the lens was damaged, wasn't able to use that for the rest of it. The camera, I was still able to use with other lenses. So that was a win. So there were things that could have been much, much worse. So that's perspective, number one. Number two is ownership. It's like, where can I take responsibility for this? Yes, the person uh, shared, we should go and do this time lapse. He mentioned that it probably wouldn't rain, but I set the camera up. I chose, I made the decision to do that. I, it's my responsibility, nobody else's. I could have set a boundary mm-hmm. and said, look, this is not something that I'm willing to do. And it would have, that would have been it, okay? Uh, so that's second, ownership. Third was gratitude. 
So what can I be grateful for in this moment? I said, I'm still in the jungle. It's kind of cool. And uh, I'm still alive. I, I, I still have consciousness. Like I'm still conscious. Uh, I haven't gotten a massive concussion. Uh, I'm still thankful that uh, I'm able to continue on and do the rest of the, of the, the trip that I, that I have and, and the, you know, be able to tell the story that we're telling here. So there are things to be grateful for. Learn some things about time lapse. Uh, learn maybe a thing, a thing or two about setting a boundary, right? So there was gratitude there. And then the fourth one was uh, opportunity. Like, how am I actually then growing through this? What's the opportunity going forward? Well, I now have a process to be able to implement going forward when I am experiencing any kind of adversity. Oh, I wish I had that back, you know, with the piano thing. Now that you know, I hadn't put the two together, but now we're having the conversation. I'm like, yeah, this from a coaching point of view now versus back then, if I had this or some version of it back then, maybe I would have continued on. But then maybe I wouldn't have been in Argentina and had the insight there. So who knows? Can, but can this realization like, are, were that- you, Were you doing this- because I understand that this is maturity and this is maturity yep. born of sort of a medita- uh, someone who, who maybe meditates or someone who has the ability to be aware of their own thought process. But how mingled was still the rage as well as this, this moment of clarity that's, that's bringing you ownership and gratitude and, and opportunity, et cetera. Like how mingled were these two things in, in the moment, in the hammock, in the jungle, fresh? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so it it reduced with each of the things that I realized. Yeah, yeah, good. It reduced because all of a sudden there was value in what happened. Mm. When when I fell, there was no value mm-hmm. in what had happened. It the, everything was negative value. There, I damaged my camera. I've I've allowed a boundary to be crossed. Nothing good has come from this. To then, as I went through it and asked myself that question, what can I learn from it? Which is a simple question that we can ask in any moment, right? Any situation, if I'm frustrated, if, if I'm feeling a negative emotion, any negative emotion, what can I learn from this? Where, how can I grow from this? And yeah, the realization for me out of that was these four steps, P-O-G-O, happened, just happened. The acronym is, is POGO. And I don't know if you had a POGO stick growing up. I sure did. I, uh, I you know, did. it bounces back. It bounces <laughs> back. It bounces back. That's exactly what this was, right? So POGO, it's the ability to bounce back from any situation. Shit and that for me man. now going forward, what's that? <laughs> that shit is marketable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know I, I actually said, mentioned this. I've shared it. You know, I've only shared this story maybe five, ten times with you know family members and a few friends and clients that I've had coaching sessions with over the last couple of weeks. And a friend I caught up with uh, for the uh, you know one of the uh, celebrations here in in Austin a few days ago, and um, and they mentioned yeah I, I remembered the the pogo thing that you had on it and she couldn't even remember the second step but it was you know she knew it was pogo i was like oh i couldn't couldn't quite remember the second one but i but i took the you know the pg and o and uh and was able to able to get myself into a really good space i'm like yeah that's to me it's a really nice way to again you bounce back from any situation and i find that my when, when we look at i see it from a wisdom point of view you know our wisdom can grow over time and the wisdom stacks on top of each of the experiences that you had before, as long as you're aware enough to grow through it, learn from it. Because what I've found is that uh, the person who takes responsibility for situations is the person that gets to create the change around a situation. The person who blames for the situation is the person that stays with the pain around that situation mm-hmm. because they don't 
take on the responsibility of learning from it, growing from it. And as a result, they continue repeating the same pattern over and over again. And so the person who takes responsibility creates a change. The person who blames stays with the pain. And that that's something that I learned years ago. And so I would say that that would have been in between the event getting cancelled, that first event getting cancelled and this day. And having that realization and sharing that with clients multiple times when they had challenging situations going on. And so that was a layer there that then this pogo component layered on top of. Yeah. And so there's something to be said for having challenging experiences. Absolutely. Because you learn so much from those challenging experiences. And if you can see it as that, that this is a learning and a growth opportunity, then you almost welcome the crappy stuff. It's not, it's not ideal, yeah. but you know that you're going to come out even stronger than before as a result of that. Yeah, you don't even have to welcome it. It just doesn't, you just don't get anxious about it. You don't worry about it because you know, like kind of, yeah. kind of what's at the very beginning, you know how to work the problem. And, you know, I'm curious, I don't know if this is a mystical question. You can answer it any way you want. But I was curious if, okay, so one, you let, you let this person kind of push you into this move, right? So... And you said you let him cross a boundary. That was your, that was what the word you used, right? Yeah. Yeah. So two things. One, why, why do you think you let him cross the boundary when you're literally rejected it multiple times? you just really didn't feel like doing it. And two, do you think, I know people who, who would think that you were, you were being stopped like, like the, like the universe knew something good wasn't going to happen and the call inside you was stopping you from that preventing you from that other people might say that's total horseshit whatever and that's fine you know i'm just i'm just curious mostly why you didn't heed the 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 very what sounded like a very visceral loud i don't want to do this hmm and how I feel take something from that, right? Like what could they Yeah, do? it's it's a fine line. I I look back at it and see there's a boundary there, but in the moment I didn't necessarily see it as a clear boundary. And and I've had experiences like with the drone, for example, when I filmed with that a few years before, where the the risks and the reward the potential reward associated with it, potential reward associated with it, not necessarily the actual reward, but the potential reward makes it worthwhile. And so I'd say without having necessarily having full clarity, uh, it allowed for the boundary to be crossed. And, and I, I'd say full clarity and full conviction I would say as well, the conviction probably came afterwards. In saying that, I, I would possibly even do it again. Uh, if I had further, I would say if I had more education around how to do a great time-lapse, it's just not something that I had expertise in. And so it, it, I, I would say if I had that even like a stronger education around it, I probably would have done it. And wouldn't have even he wouldn't have even had to say anything. I would have gone and done it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's there's a couple of parts here. One is is it a boundary that is that if crossed, 
hmm, how would I explain this? Is If that boundary is crossed, is that something that has been uh, a part of your identity that's crossed, mm-hmm. part of your value that's crossed, a part of the respect that you have for yourself that is crossed? Like there's, there's certain boundaries that can be crossed and it's not that big a deal, but there are certain boundaries that are crossed that that you look at and realize, oh, wow, I, I didn't treat myself with love and respect there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say in this case, it was maybe more in that gray zone for me because uh, I have no, no issue whatsoever in telling somebody no. Uh, but I'd say there was definitely a gray zone there as to, uh, as to that. I would also say, you know, he had more experience on the filming side than I did. And so and maybe the there's something and there the as well. Reporting side. And on the weather report and on <laughs> where we were exactly in this entire wilderness. And I, I had no idea where we even were. Like if you asked me to point on a map, I go like there, <laughs> no idea. I just had to go, Don't you know, there was, he's going to leave. It, it's, yeah, right? so, it's, it's actually interesting. There's one of the things I spoke with a friend yesterday and talking about this trip in general, I had to let go of control mm-hmm. in so many cases. And right from the start, I got picked up from somebody that I didn't know who he was. I'd never met him. And he drove me for an hour in the darkness to a location. Mm-hmm. Right? I had to trust that fully right from the start. I had, there were so many instances, you know, the, the gear was taken by certain people and, you know, certain parts that we could take on the raft and then others that we had to, you know, had to be taken by, by car to the next location. And so I had, again, trust had to be there. There had to be so much trust and letting go of control that needed to occur. And so I'd say there was some of that maybe wrapped up in there as well. And so, uh, yeah. And then, and then when coming on the other side, so just to sum up, boundaries and, and knowing what your boundaries are that, again, revolve around self-worth, value of self, uh, where it is that you're going and the clarity that you have around that. It's very important that you are setting healthy boundaries in each area of life, whether that's your health and well-being, your relationships, your business, or if you're filming out in the jungle with, with nobody else, you know, people that you have no, no idea where you were, right? So uh, healthy boundaries. On the other side, uh, you mentioned about it's almost like a whatever that is, whether it's a universe sharing with you insights or, uh, or, or if it's a scientific point of view. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily distinguish between the two. What I do is I aim to be aligned to whatever that thing is. And I had this experience. I, w- I, had, a date, I had a date with a quantum physicist once. Uh, it was back a number of years ago. And I was so excited about it. We had, we had, just for the, uh, just for oh, my gosh. We're sitting, just, yeah. get her, get her, just, just drink that wine and let the thoughts flow, man. <laughs> we talked about gra- we were talking about gravitational waves because something had been discovered out in the universe, re- you know, just a few days before that. And then we got onto the topic of my songwriting process. Uh, how when I try to write a song, I, I, I real, I'm really bad at it. But when I allow the music to flow through, it's almost like it comes from somewhere out of outside of me and then flows through from above and then comes down through my body and, and then out through my hands. And if I, if I allow the space for that to occur, 
magic happens. And usually the song's written within an hour, two hours max, but almost every, every one of my songs is done within an hour to an hour and a half. And opened up and I was really vulnerable about my, my process and sharing, sharing emotionally and all of that, expecting some kind of beautiful response, uh, a connective response. All she had to say was, couldn't that be your brain sending signals down to your hands? Mm. And I just thought, huh, uh, maybe. That's no I can't, fun. That's no, I know, right? And so, but I, but I thought about it. I thought, well, it kind of feels like it goes, comes out from above. Maybe it is just coming from my brain and then it's accessing a, accessing a certain part of my brain and that's all I'm doing is I'm, I'm learning how to open up to a part of my brain that I'm not usually having access to. Maybe. But I, I like to romanticize that there is a, you know, like a physical and a non-physical version of myself that the physical version is the version that is disciplined and, and learns skills and, and builds and grows and develops and gets clear and uh, thinks and strategically plans and all of these pieces, right? And then there's this like non-physical version of myself that is whatever that is, is, you know, universe or some people call it God or, or a, a universal intelligence or something or whether it's a simulation and you're simply accessing a you know, computer program, whatever the thing is, right? That there's something external. And I do like to romanticize with that. I don't have the answer, but I, I feel like I have a way of tapping into it. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I aim to do more than anything else. Then I'm I'm massively curious about what it is. I have no attachment to what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I I it could be uh, it could be a simulation. It could be spiritual. It could be just my brain. It could be any of those three. It could be something completely different. Uh, it, it, and I, I'm I'm very curious about what that is. And I have a, a genuine curious about continuing to find that out and discover. And uh, but more than that. It's about how do I build my relationship with it and how do I build a relationship with the version of myself that that is, you know, this non-physical version of myself that I do believe I have that is, that is then connected to everything out there. And how do I, how am I tapping that list? That? And there, there just has been for me, at least personally, and I, I think about it and have so many conversations around this, that yes, it could be the balance of probability coming in because I, there are just so many synchronistic moments that have happened in my life. And, and maybe, yes, I've created meaning around that. And maybe, yes, it's simply the balance of probabilities of it coming to fruition. But yeah, for me personally, it is, there's just too many of those synchronistic moments that have occurred for me to say that something else isn't going on. And so I, so I'll go into it with that romanticized version of it, knowing that I'm still tapping into it, even if it's not, if it doesn't exist, even if it doesn't exist, I'm still capitalizing on what I can achieve with that. So uh, that's what I'd say there. The faith, it's, it's faith in a way, right? It's yeah. faith in a way. You're taking faith in something, but you know, that doesn't have to be known exactly to still tap in. Yeah. Did you get a second date? Was that a one day? That one I didn't want. I, I, uh, that was a one day only. I was okay with <laughs> I was okay with that only being, yeah, one date only. So, um, yeah. yeah. So the second, the second, that was really good. And I think that, you know, I guess to just sum it up, I mean, it was, it was more just a prod of a question because to your point, you know, there's, there's, a, you can have a whole podcast on the answer to that question or a whole podcast series on the answer to that question. And like, well, what, what past experiences in your life are informing the boundaries that you have today? And when are you being too rigid with these boundaries? And maybe Cam was just tired from traveling and the guy had a good idea. And it, you know what I mean? There's nothing to do. 100%. Right? <laughs> 
So I, just, I think what you just shared there, that's, that's, that's really, really important what you just shared. I'll just pick it up here that uh, you've got to be assessing are the boundaries that you're setting or not setting getting you the outcome that you want. Mm -hmm. Because if you're setting boundaries, and I know this was like a relationship that I was in years ago and it came to an end. And I, one of the reasons it came to an end, there was a bunch of reasons, but one of them was that I was so rigid in my thinking. And, and so there were certain boundaries that I had there that I was setting that led to the end of that relationship, or at least in part led to the end of that relationship. And so when it comes to boundaries, that you are setting in life or in business or in relationships or anywhere else, if you're not getting the outcome that you want, you've got to go have a good hard look at your boundaries and determine, okay, am I simply not getting what I want because uh, you know, I've, I've simply, those boundaries are still incredibly important to me and I'm, it's just going to take a little bit longer because I'm very specific and very clear about what I want to experience or yeah, could I soften the edges a little and be okay with not having this as such a hard boundary with the potential of this coming to fruition? I look at that in terms of the time lapse and if it hadn't rained and we'd gotten a killer time lapse, I would have gone, that was a great, great thought. That was a great idea. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that. And we are able to use that in a beautiful way, right? And so soften around the edges where... Where it's uh, where maybe you haven't gotten the result for a longer period of time, and it may be longer than what you had been uh, wanting it to go on for. Of and, not and you the can you can you be want. so soft as to, you know, the pogo thing is fantastic. It's brilliant. It's effective, and I believe that you, that one can get to a place where they're so soft, they're so melted into the the harsh outcomes of life's you know the external things we face that are that we would might deem as struggle or frustration it's as simple as ouch that hurt and okay move on yeah you know it, it, it totally you know nothing more nothing yeah, else it, it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be a thing right and that's not yep. to, what again what you came up with i believe is the framework to getting to that place where you don't even need to assess the situation or, or most many situations, you know, you, you can, so you, you start to see the complete, the complete silliness in, in anger and frustration and in, in unnecessary struggle for so many of life's, the things that life throws at you. And that it's just a waste of time to give them any piece of your mind and just go back mm. to the hammock and let mother nature sing you a nighttime bedtime song <laughs> without anything. And that's, I, I'm, I've kind of cut you off here and I want, I want, there's a point I'm making. And the point I'm making is this, mm. and you brought it up and I'm so glad you did. Cause I had a note jot jotted down. And when I first met, when we first became friends or, or let's say when we first became acquaintances in, in a, in a much more business slash, like, how can we mentor each other? How, how are your projects going? How can we facilitate each other hmm. to where we are today? The arc that I've seen for you is the cam that I met back in New York on one of your, your tours was all was, was, was so hyper positive. It was a rigid positivity. It was a, and the cam that I know today is a vulnerable positivity. 
you're you're so much more and you're you're still pogo you're still that guy you you look for the good in things you look for the lessons in things you look for how things can what's the silver lining how can i turn this this negative into positive etc that make you such an incredible human and such an incredible coach but i have known so i've seen so much more softness and so my my question in that is what changed <laughs> or did i just did yeah. i just not know so okay no not sorry did something change or did i just mm. not know that camp that cam existed, but that mm. cam was behind the veneer of this is a business environment. I'm a speaker. I'm the, you know what I mean? And, and mm. I can't let into that yet. Like, care, yeah. to, <laughs> care to share? <laughs> what, definitely. What, one of the things first up and then I'll share. Yeah, there's two things that I, I think would be useful to share here. One, I had a chat with somebody a few days ago and she said, expectation leads to frustration. So just finishing off what we were talking about before, that if you have a certain expectation and that doesn't work out, that's going to lead to a frustration. And so that's where being, again, not attached necessarily to the outcome and having clarity about what you, where it is that you're wanting to go, but not being necessarily attached as to how you get there can lead to less frustration occurring. And I think that's really important. Uh, in terms of the, I would say what, the, the way I received that, and I, I appreciate you sharing the the way in which you've you've seen that. Cause I, I haven't had somebody share it in that way. So I'm reflecting on that now. It would be growth that I've, I would say growth that I've gone through. And the first thing that came, as you were sharing, I thought, yeah, well, I would say I've been cut, become more comfortable with being sad or being angry, or being frustrated, or being stressed, or being insert negative emotion here. And the understanding that that is what makes us human, that all the ups and the downs are, are there to guide us, show us where to go, to, to allow us to, to move into a, to either adapt or to continue on, right? And there's, there's a song that I wrote, this is a fair few years ago now, it's uh, something like, I've been places most people won't dare go, as is up high, so is below. And that to me is this willingness to be both in the positive and the negative. Is there a biblical and, tie and to that? What's that? As above, so below. Is there a biblical tie into that? Uh, I mean, there, there, maybe there in, might be. if you want yeah, to, okay. sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, there, there, there wasn't when I wrote it, but, okay. uh, the, uh, the, the, as is up high, so is below is, uh, beautiful, positive emotions, negative emotions. Mm. And, uh, um, but yeah, someone could easily take it as was that a, as well. If, you, if something, <laughs> I, was, I, I, will, I will say music now. <laughs> totally, uh, first time that i've ever even had a thought that that is how it could be perceived so thank you for that i'm gonna to have to go back and have a look through all of my other music now oh, and see that's the beautiful isn't that the beautiful thing that is the beautiful thing about music is that i can create it in a certain way and i still remember doing a performance back in probably about a decade ago and and uh sharing a song and then it was in this small environment where per each person went through afterwards and shared what it meant to them. Mm -hmm. 
and each person had a different version yes. of what it actually yes. was. And then I, it was a realization for me, okay, okay, there's a time and a place for me to share the stories about where the song came from and what it's actually about. And there's a time and a place to actually not. Mm-hmm. And I think this actually, oh, this is, so we'll come back to the, the growth. I think this is really important. I've learned the real value of storytelling over the past couple of years, especially. And one of the things that I've learned when it comes to the power of storytelling is that you are co-creating together. Mm-hmm. What that means is that you've got, you've, you've got to have descriptive words, you've got to build characters, you've got to set a scene, you've got to take people on a journey. And as you take people on a journey, they've got to, they then start visualizing in their mind what that is and the lessons that they learn from it and the insights they get from it. And I've, I've shared multiple times where, you know, I'm sharing like one-on-one with somebody and somebody says, oh, I can see it so clearly. And I'm thinking, oh, this is perfect because that's what we're, what, what, what we're doing is we are co-creating together. And I had this experience. I shared this story and I have a video of the story itself. Well, I won't go through the story itself because uh, it's not necessary here, but I've got a video of the story. And as I'm sharing this story with her, she shared exactly that. She said, uh, I can see it so clearly. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I know, I know exactly where I'm going to go after this. And so I said, so I just continued telling the story, finished off the story. And then I said to her, I said, uh, would you like to see the video? And she said, yeah, sure. And I knew exactly where I was going. So I played the video. And then I said afterwards, I said, uh, out of curiosity, uh, how did the video differ from what you created when you could see it so clearly? And she said, oh, Mine was so much more colorful. Mm. Like the video is so dull and boring. And, and I, just, I just sat back and thought, this is beautiful. Mm. Because if we give too much information when it comes to storytelling, whether it's in the form of a song, you know, one form of storytelling that I do, or whether it's in a talk. And if I have that video, and I've done this before, I made this mistake years ago. I played this video of me trying to get the drone down when I was on the Iguazu River on the border of Argentina and Brazil. And I wanted to get a photo of me with half my kayak in Brazil and half of it in Argentina. And then, you know, getting it back down afterwards was was a real struggle because there was a massive current with the uh, with the with the water. And so I was, I, I, it was a real challenge to get the drone down. I showed the video of that rather than telling the actual story and allowing them to create the own their own version of that. And so that's the power of storytelling. It's the power of creating something. Is that Uh, like creating a story and sharing a story is that you are on a journey together and the story is no longer for you. It's for them. Mm -hmm. It's for them to create their own meaning and for them to create their own insight out of it and for them to take their own action out the backside of it. And so that just, I just thought of that just then, uh, you know, because we were going through some of that and that's that's because with the song, yeah, because with the songs, it's everyone has their own version of it, right? Anyone has their own meaning. What you just shared there, it's, you know, you, you, somebody can take their own meaning out of it. And I think that's important to be able to do because it allows, you, you're giving somebody the opportunity to come along with you and to utilize their own creativity. And I think that's just stunningly beautiful because it also, when it comes to storytelling, it also allows them, they're all, all of a sudden emotionally invested in the story because they're in the story. They're seeing it. They've created a version of it. And so if you want to, like whether it's influence somebody or have them connect to a song or do something out the back end of a story, uh, that 
a great way to do that is through actually co-creating it together, right? Uh, so, yeah, I went left I, field there, know, but I wanna, I, it's I just been wanna, a massive insight for me. I want to riff on that, I think. And we'll, we will try yeah. and get back to, to the two things that we've left left out the back end of the <laughs> of the conversation and a few more that I want to I want to get to but just to finish on this um you know sorry not to finish just to continue on this and and mm. um I want to know what your story was in Colombia but I just I find it to me this is what's so beautiful about certain types of art like paintings that say nothing to you and you have to uh, it's all you're, you're, you're completely inferring what it means to you, what it makes you feel when you see the painting, because it doesn't say anything to you. Music does that, you know, both lyrically and instrumentally music does that for you. And, and this is what I've always loved so much about parable and myth is, is the simplicity in which they can, and they can deliver and, and, and art has, always been and, and and maybe more so than ever you know has that has an agenda is leaves or, or blocks some of that co-creation because it just creates one of two reactions either you agree with the agenda it's one of three reactions you were neutral and 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 therefore you agree with it or you don't agree with it or you didn't agree with it and now you agree with it versus the potential multitude of reactions that you can have to, to other types of art, right? And, uh, you know, because I make documentaries and documentaries always have a specific theme. They don't leave a lot yeah. to the, the, the viewer's imagination. And I've always admired artists that can create, can create from, create something that, that creates a whole multitude of re interactions and reactions as a result of experiencing that art, it's not so literal, right? And uh, uh, you know, for what it's worth, I've added that to what you said is, is something that I, I just love so much about art is is that, and it co-creates yeah. forever. It, that goes on forever because at different times that means different things, right? That's not, that's why some things are truly timeless. Yeah, and, uh, I think creating creating timeless works of art. And and I think we're losing that to an extent. There was this. I, I had this experience. I was in uh, in Bosnia and Herzegovina in a in a small uh, place called Trebinja, and I was hiking up to this old castle that overlooked out to the Adriatic Sea, and you could see over it once you got up right up there and see over these the, the mountains. And it's only about 40, 50 minutes from Croatia, uh, from Dubrovnik. And as I was walking up this, you know, stone stone bound uh, uh road this path I, I just had i was i had time away from social media i ended up taking like three months off of social completely just during that time we were recording music and uh building those those pieces out and i was walking up and i had this just the thought of i wonder you know the masterpieces of our time from the last say 500 years or more how many of those wouldn't have been created if they were alive today creating them and for for two two main reasons one the distractions that exist today that weren't there you know how many hundred years ago 
the distractions today, you've got it in your devices, for example, there's notifications, there's the uh, going on and checking email, just those two alone um, are, are massive, right? Social and things like that. So distractions. And then the second is the need for instant validation and the external validation and the need to get it because some of these masterpieces didn't become that until the person wasn't even alive anymore. There is a sorry timelessness to it. Yeah, there's a timelessness to it. They locked themselves away for periods mm -hmm. of time. And this, this comes full circle of what we were talking about before around how long it takes to create something. And that's where you do, ideally you have some form of clarity about what you want to create and and it builds over time and then you've got to be willing to dedicate the time towards it so you've got to ask yourself uh and there was a song that i wrote back in 2020 when i was you know things were locked down and i was in boulder in colorado and i had a grand piano put into this beautiful house there and so it was one of the most creative periods of my of my life uh it was just me there sitting there and these four cats i was looking after in this place um and there was uh a song that I wrote called Worthwhile and I was contemplating about my nieces and nephews and who they're going to become. Uh, I don't have kids of my own, but they're, they're an incredibly important part of my life. And, you know, what challenges are they going to come up against? What problems are they going to help solve? What Are they going to experience a life that they really love? And and this the, these four lines of the chorus uh, go, what have I become? Uh, was it all I really loved? What have I given up? And was it worthwhile? Mm. And that is... Are, those are four questions that I continue to ask myself over and over and over again because the reality is we are sacrificing things. Life is a sea of sacrifices. We are sacrificing things every single day. It just comes down to whether we're sacrificing the things that lead to us living a fulfilling existence or a life of regret. If you answer enough times, what have I given up and was it worthwhile? And the hand on your heart is, yes, it absolutely was then you live a deeply fulfilling existence. Mm -hmm. If you answer enough times and the answer is no, that is a life of regret. Mm -hmm. And that for me is something that I am absolutely not wanting to experience. I want to experience a deeply fulfilling existence. Mm -hmm. And so there is the, you know, I had the experience over the last couple of years with being away from my family for that period of time. It was more than two years before I saw them again. Mm -hmm. And so I went about, okay, what am I becoming? And what is it that's going to allow me to become what I love? And what am I giving up? And is it worthwhile? And so that when the guitar was a big part of that, I went through my green card process through the pandemics to go, all right, if I'm going to be here and I can't leave the country, might as well go through that as well. The guitar was a huge one. I added, there was also an hour of storytelling, an hour of piano and an hour of vocals every day for a huge amount of time. It meant that those days were 12 to 16 hours every day. I didn't socialize. The only socializing I did was going down to the grocery store to pick up some spinach. I didn't go to the ch chat to the checkout person. I didn't date. You know, I'm a single single guy. I didn't date at all during that period uh, because I I dedicate. I chose that. What am I giving up if I go and do those things? I want to be able to go back home in whatever time frame it ends up being. It ended up being over two years, and be able to go back and say that while it was a really crappy situation to be away from you for so long, I absolutely made the most of the time that I had. Mm -hmm. And I went back and I absolutely had made the most of the time that I had. And it only came about because I answered those questions and then I took action on those answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah, I mean, there's so much 
it's interesting that you kind of answered the question around going back to dream from dream to done mm -hmm. and the question around regret. If, if you died tomorrow, what's the reg regret? And, you know, you, let's say you never got to experience playing the grand piano on stage, but you still had the experience of preparing for it and doing it and acting as if it was going to happen. And that goes back to the great artists of the past that they weren't doing it for the success. They were doing it for the love because they didn't even, many of them didn't have the success to your point. They did not have the success that we think they had because they're, they're cherished timeless pieces now, but they didn't care. They were doing it because that's what they chose to do with their lives, to create poetry, to paint, to, you know, to be an, an orator in the streets, whatever those things are, they chose it and they lived it. And I'm sure that they struggled with the sacrifices. It would be silly to say, oh, I'm a single guy, not dating. I like sex, but I'm willing to sacrifice it. And I'm, I'm so evolved that I don't even notice, or I, sorry, I love my art and my guitar so much. That I don't even notice that it's, you'd be not be human. You'd be a robot. Of course you notice it, but you're still, the trade-off is in that moment for something that is, that feels purposeful for you. And therein lies, even if you never got to play the grand piano on the stage, you were still living in purpose. And that I think answers that question. And before I let you jump in I, I you probably want to um i just wanted to add a few more things to, to what you said and because i completely agree with you and i want to know what you think about that i think that you're right distraction is a big one i think you're right instant validation is a big one and i think that the other the opposite of instant validation which is like cancellation and reliance on the court of public opinion and a need a, a more desperate need to attach monetary value to your art versus art for art's sake, right? It's like, I'm not going to do it if I can't get paid to do it, not just likes, but get paid versus a willingness to sacrifice everything. You know, Jelly Roll, whatever he was on, he's a country singer. He was on Rogan, I don't know how long ago. And he, he was like, I didn't do it for the money. I haven't made money in 15 years. Yeah, now I'm making millions. I didn't, hmm. 15 years, I didn't make shit. In fact, the opposite for 15 years, I lived hand to mouth. Right. And, you know, and, and but you, you have to have a willingness to do that because you feel like you're living your purpose. And I think that so people really want that money validation as much as they want the court of public opinion likes validation. And I think that we're also in a time where, you know, the benefactors, the people who employ us for our art are so driven by the culture wars and the court of public opinion that it's putting what kind of art can get financed into a box and limiting what gets out there versus, and they are, listen, if they have the money and they're funding the art, they are entitled to weigh in on it. I'm not saying that they aren't, but it, it's absolutely limiting what can be out there. If you wanted to put a piece out there that was your art, but this cult in the cultural zeitgeist in the moment of time, it probably cost you your job. That fear is the antithesis of art that mm -hmm. we need to embrace all forms of it in order for 
the freedom to create something truly classic and timeless again to emerge. And we can't in, in this social environment that is very, very hard to do. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of things. First up, day four, I think it was about day 470 of the 500 days. I had this weird experience. And the experience was that my body uh, felt starved of physical touch. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't in a, in a romantic, intimate, you know, sexual kind of way. It was purely a platonic way. And it was this realization, beautiful realization that, oh, it's built the sense of belonging, like belonging in the world and, and connecting with people and, uh, is, is built into our, our DNA. Like it's built into our into our hardwired into our systems, and yeah, that was that was really tough at times. And I don't know how long I much longer I could have gone on for, um, but that again, it was a sacrifice. That coming out the other side, you've got to determine: is it worthwhile? Is it worthwhile? And that, probably if I went on for another year like that, because now it's an hour on the guitar, and then an hour piano, hour of vocals, and and so on and so forth. Then it's more sustainable where I'm able to date i'm able to be with friends i'm able to have those conversations and interactions right so um so i wanted to mention mention that that yeah as as you go through and execute on something there will be struggle there will be challenges that will come up and you've got to continue to determine what is worth it uh the way i see it is having a purpose that's bigger than your problems and if you've got a purpose that's bigger than your problems, you will continue on and battle through and work through it. If your problems are bigger than your purpose, then you're going to succumb to the temptations to do other things, right? And not be, fo not be as focused. And then, yeah, on the, on the creation of art, and I'd say timelessness in any way has become more immediate. And, and I don't necessarily have a full answer because as you shared, each person is in, and companies are, are entitled to determine when they want the return by, you know, when they want the return and investment by uh, and what return and investment that needs to be. I, I do remember a couple of interviews that I, that I heard of people talking about creativity in both the music space and in the, and in the film space. And, and somebody talking in the film space, it's probably eight, nine years ago. And, and I still see it, see it happening now. Uh, is that you know him? This guy was sharing about how, uh, when it comes to films, the majority of the films are either remakes, or they're the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth iteration of a movie, because they know that it's going to produce a certain return, mm -hmm. right? and there's not as much risk involved as a, as a result of that. And as a result, creativity is uh, is being impacted by that. The ability to be able to create works of art that are, again these this next timeless piece of art and then this other one uh on the music side i remember hearing a guy talking about uh you know pop music and and talking about difference between uh you know even going back to say 60s 70s type of music and and, and today and and how uh back then it was and, and again there's a generalization there is cases of it but it, in generalized terms there were more specified, like specific lyrics about a specific person who had a specific name, for example, uh, about somebody specific. Mm. Uh, whereas now it is more general and it is, oh, baby, I like your touch, right? And the reason they do that and they use just four chords and only four chords is because that can resonate with each person that listens to it. 
And so they're aiming to resonate with as many people as they possibly can to be able to generate the greatest return from that. Yeah. And so, so yeah, you know, it's, and, and, and there's no, I guess, right or wrong about it. It's simply what is, what is being created as a result of that? And are we okay with that? Uh, and, and what does that mean for, for what comes next? Uh, I'm, I'm in the camp for myself personally. Uh, you know, the business model I set up is, is for the ability to be able to create whatever we want for the rest of our lives and never have to answer to anybody around that, yes. uh, specifically on the music side, right? So that then we're able to look back and especially with my producer, who's one of my best friends, uh, we've spoken so many times about this and be able to look back in 20, 30, 40, 50 years time and just go, hey, do you remember when we did this? And we, and we listened to it and we're still proud of it. Uh, there's a song that I wrote about bullying and suicide that when, when uh, it impacted people's lives around the world, you know, reached a couple million, million views on, on YouTube alone and uh, people in 195 countries just with that song. And it was used in school projects and film projects and dance projects and all these other, other, other places and, and uh, people that had reached out to say this song stopped them from killing themselves. And uh, a video, it was a video from the Netherlands and they sent me over a DVD of this, this short film and the songs at the end has been translated into, into their language. And I, I remember watching that crying uh, happy tears because it was just this moment of, oh, like it's being utilized to help tell a story elsewhere. That to me is like there's a timeless element to that. And I listen to it now. And yeah, I would do different things differently production wise, but the song overall still stands true and it still, you know, continues to get views and continue, continues to get streams uh, with people. And uh, that, you know, I look at that song and see how it impacted people's lives and has impacted people's lives for so many years. And, and yeah, I, I, I just aim to be, be creating and taking time. You know, we've taken a, a number of years. We're working on a, a four full-length album and, and we're, we're taking our time with that to be able to release things that we are extraordinarily proud of and ideally are still proud of in 20, 30, 40 years' time. Mm. And that's how I want to live life. It's, it, I think it comes from my great-grandfather was a poet and I didn't even know about this until, you know, my grandma passed away on, on that side of the family and there was this box of books and mum threw them down on the ground when we were cleaning out at his house. And I said, oh, mum, what are those? And she said, oh, they're part of Godfrey's old poems. What do you mean? And she said, oh, yeah, you used to write, write poetry. And I was like, what? So I took these poems and I, I went down to the, to the living room and, and just took out one of them and just read through. And the first one I read through is a poem called Immortality. And it's this deep, thought-provoking poem that was written somewhere between 15 and 110 years ago. No dates on it, no idea when. And, and I read through this and he's, this guy was a thinker mm. and there's timelessness to it. So much so there's one poem that I, that I took and I, I turned into a piece of music and performed it at one of the talks that I gave a couple of years ago um, you know, for the first time. And, and it was this beautiful experience of, of something that was timeless of his that then was then utilized by somebody else um, to be able to create something new. Uh, that to me is, is timelessness. It allows something to live on mm -hmm. when we're no longer here. And, and I see that as uh, the final thing I'll share here is uh, the second powerful reason I, I love and have recognized the power of storytelling is I, rem I was, I think it was, it was late 2021. I was in living in Nashville and I was in this house that overlooked the, the skyline and I was sitting in, my, in the bed there looking out at the skyline and then had my laptop on my, on my uh, lap 
and just sitting there writing about somebody who had passed away, a family member of mine, and writing a story. And I, because I went through this process of documenting more than a hundred stories from my life and the lessons that I learned out of it. And I just remember just saying out loud, "Oh, you get to you get to come along for the ride for this one." And it was just this beautiful insight that I had. It's almost like getting the band back together again. Like all the people that have had a big impact on my life in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. We're on this journey together now. We're, we're going through it together that every time I share that story, that person is with me. Every time I share that story, that person lives on. Every time I share that story, the lessons they learned or the legacy they left gets to live on. And I, mm-hmm. um, I shared that with you know, my, my uncle passed away a, a, a couple of months ago, uh, less than a couple of months ago now. And, and it was a really sad time for our family. It was a very important part of my life, very close to him and a remarkable, remarkable man. And, and I remember sharing that with my auntie that, uh, you know, there's a couple of stories that I really want to share in the talks that I deliver going forward that, that demonstrate his, his, the adversity he went through. You know, he, he was in a car accident more than 40 years ago and was paralyzed from the neck down and, uh, and lived a, a beautiful life you know, mm-hmm. an inspiring life, a, a loving life. He was in, they just celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary before he passed away and uh, stunningly beautiful. And, uh, and, she, and, and, and my auntie, auntie shared, oh, have you seen uh, Hamilton? I said, oh, no. She said, oh, there's a song in there. It's uh, uh, who, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's exactly the insight that I had. It's, it's the people get to live on. Mm-hmm. The lessons that they taught you or that you learn from them get to live on when you tell that story, which in a way is timelessness and immortality. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is such a, an incredible reason to learn how to tell great stories because they get to come with you where they maybe couldn't come when they were alive. Like they get to go everywhere with you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a value that you're able to share and pass on and they get to come with you for the ride. And so for those couple of reasons, the one I shared earlier and that one, those two were home runs for me in terms of why storytelling is so incredibly important and valuable. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's cathartic in the way that you described it to me in that it's healing and it heals ourselves as we work through the art and we connect with the, the message of who, you know, whether, whether it's our, our own art or the story of somebody else, but something that's, that's kind of bubbling up in me, it sounds like it's more alive in you. It's certainly alive in my wife is when we learn the stories of our family, there's something very, the knowing of where we come from, thanks to the willingness of people to tell the, to document the stories of moments of their lives or their whole lives, there's this sense of connection and there's this sense of we haven't solved why we're here on earth maybe (laughs) but we've connected dots of our line farther back and there's something very powerful about that and i never used to give a shit and all of a sudden i'm starting to and you always you always speak so beautifully about your parents and and your nephews and 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 now you know your uncle uh, sorry your great grandfather as well and 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 how much these connections mean to you and are part of you and again we don't have that without somebody's willingness to suffer at, or at least make a bit of effort 
to tell a story, to create art. Even if it's a painting. Yep. If it's a painting. I think that, I think I could be wrong, but I feel like my wife has found pieces of art that have been created by family members and, and she doesn't have any context other than that hmm. picture, whatever. And it's just is like a little layer that mm. opens up the door of, wow, there was, there was more to that person than I knew. And there was more in me. There's more in me from that person than I knew. And art's that gift. Whether, I, it's, whether you make billions yeah. of dollars on the art or just that, there's, there's a gift in it. I, I'd agree with, well, absolutely agree with that. And there is, I think there's a couple of reasons why that's so important, what you just shared. Uh, first up, I, I think about with my great-grandpa, uh, and you know his poetry. I remember when I read it, I felt, oh, there's someone like me in the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I felt, I always felt like the almost the odd one out in a, in a, in a lot of different ways. And all of a sudden, there's this guy that I just had no idea about. Never met him. You know, he passed away before I was born. And and there was this curiosity about yeah who he was and. Uh, there's definitely parts of me that I that I see in him, as I do with my father and my great great grandparents who migrated to a, to Australia from from the UK and uh, and the hardship they went through in just getting here. Like they had four kids with them under the age of six on this ship that took three or four months to get over. Mm-hmm. Multiple people died on that ship. Like there was a one in one, one in five chance. I've seen the records and I was able to get the numbers. There's one in five chance that one of them would have died on that ship. That's how, how you know, in terms of the odds, uh, it's, you know, that, that took courage. It took, a, you know, that would overcome adversity. It was the spirit of adventure and all these other beautiful things that I absolutely see myself in that you know, that part of them as to um, the, the way in which I, I live my life. So I, I do see there's there's a way of uh, finding, I guess, meaning and identity mm-hmm. in a way. But in the same way, if you don't have that necessarily, then you get to create it, you know, which, which is <laughs> it's beautiful either way, right? Uh, you get to create it both ways. Uh, uh, you, get, mm-hmm. you get to still create the meaning out of it if there is the history and the stories. If there's not, then uh, you get to go and create your own version of that, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's that's beautiful in itself. Uh, yeah, I, I I massively agree with you. Well, my brother, we're, we're coming up on two hours, and there was there's so many things I <laughs> wanted to talk to you about. Um, and I have a baby. You probably heard her banging on the door. Um, so here's, <laughs> here's what I here's what I want to do. I want I want you to to commit that you'll do this again in a few months <laughs> so I can get through the rest of the questions. But in the, in the meantime, I was hoping that you could play a couple of, of, of songs, um, you know, that you've learned on the guitar. And then maybe we can just close out with one or two questions that I kind of like to ask everybody if, if that works for you. Um, Let's do it. Cool. Uh, and, and if you want to, you know, preface anything that you're about to do, please feel free. Um, by all means, yeah. I put a pin in the guitar thing because that's such a fascinating <laughs> chapter of your life. And there were so many things I wanted to, you know, the, the go into the cave to learn the ability to block and tackle and be so 
monastic is that the right word monastic about how you you learned this thing and what what you learned from is from that not just be, not just that you need human touch but there's so much and i just feel like uh, we're not going to get to it all so let's just go to the music and what's let's, let's do it let's, let's do, do it the, the part of the result of that so feel free yeah yeah i'll i'll head over i'll i'll do a uh one song that i did, wrote earlier this year i think it was started this year and first up yes let's do it again and we'll uh we'll deep dive into the other into the other pieces absolutely 100 percent uh this song uh it's a this, you know song called come with me and it's really this song about diving in i think we've spoken a fair amount about this in different ways today and so i think it's quite fitting to, to play this one of there are times where things aren't working out the way that you want them to and then there's times that they are and there's times where you don't necessarily have all the answers as to how you're going to solve something. And uh, there are times when you feel that things aren't worth fighting for. And, it, you know, it's in those moments that, you know, if you can find the ability to continue on and, and dive down into the depths and work to understand why things are occurring and how to overcome them, uh, to me, then you're at, you're in a win-win situation because if things go well, you're in a space of things going well. <laughs> if things aren't going well, you're in the space of learning. You know, you're in the space of growing. You're in the space of understanding something new about yourself. And and to me, that again, that it becomes a even though it's not the most beautiful feelings to go through. Um, at the same time, it is there is a beauty about it because you're becoming stronger as a result. You're building a, a greater strength to be able to overcome an even bigger challenge in the future. And so uh, I remember a mentor of mine saying years ago, um, it's not about getting rid of your problems. It's about becoming the person you need to be to deal with your problems as they arise. And as we grow, as we evolve, we are sometimes presented with bigger problems. And as a result, we've got the opportunity to be able to overcome them. So, so I'll, I'll head over and play that one, and uh, yeah, I'll play I'll play one, and then we'll, and then I'll come back and we'll uh, we'll finish off the, a couple of questions. This then. is the first ever song played on the Ramble podcast, and I've had a few musicians on. So I've had I've had three musicians on. So this is I'm very excited, and I'm I'm excited that it's you that's that's. Uh, that's done this. You're paving the way in case this becomes a thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Pioneer, pioneer, just like my great great grandparents years ago, right? Going over to Australia. Love it. Awesome. I'll jump over. Okay. Life has a way of working out. Even in those times of unbearable doubt Often there's still something left unfound Waiting patiently for you to come around What you find Is that it's not always easy but with time It won't always be this hard Come with me into the depths below it's perfectly okay not to have all the answers right away And come with me into the depths below Feel into the pain that brought about this worrying thought This might not be worth fighting for 
interpretations of what this really means There's bound to be a misunderstanding of what's real Defined as what is known to be It's crazy how that changes based on what's believed What you find is that it's not always easy But with time it won't always be this hard Come with me into the depths below It's perfectly okay not to have all the answers right away And come with me into the depths below Feel into the pain that brought about this worrying thought This might not be worth fighting for Find comfort in what's Gonna ask of all your strength Lean into what's A journey that never ends You feel much better but it comes and goes it's part of growing up and knowing what to hold on to Across the other side, the art of letting go And in between the messiness of what's unknown What you find is that it's not always easy But with time, it won't always be this hard Come with me into the depths below it's perfectly okay not to have all the answers right away And come with me into the depths below Feel into the pain that brought about this worrying thought This might not be worth fighting for Beautiful, man. One year and change ago, did not know how to play the guitar. <laughs> to that. That's amazing. Thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, as I was singing, I, I realized that, um, yeah, the lyrics like are massively about everything that we talked about today, right? Of, yeah. You know, in so many different ways of, of the ability to be able to let go, but also, you know, there's, there's the unknown to walk through and there's, there's messiness that's all there and there's, there's layers to uncover and, and know about and learn and grow through it. And, mm -hmm. and it happens over time and there's times where you don't feel worth it or don't feel that things are going to work out. But then there's other times you work through those and overcome those. And eventually there's times there's doubting whether it's worth it. And, and then as you get on the other side, you go yes it was totally worthwhile right mm. and so yeah quite fitting i feel so i'm and glad you loved it writing skills and, and and just they're on point um i want to take Thanks, i want to take a part of that conversation offline and we'll talk about some of, some of your music stuff which which leads me to you know we didn't we didn't get a chance to celebrate you we just got a chance to hear so many of your great stories and so much of your uh, of your your much hard-earned wisdom which the audience would be grateful for but <laughs> i wanted to i wanted to get a chance to talk more about the things that you're doing 
and uh, and where you want people to intersect with that journey, musically, coaching, speaking, whether you do much on social these days. I know you and I have always ebbed and flowed with that. So why don't you why don't you just run through where, what you're what you're doing in your life right now, and uh, and where you you know where people can can join in on that and, and see more of you. Absolutely. The three main main focuses for the foreseeable future is speaking, coaching and music, and they just come up in different ways. So uh, the coaching capacity is uh, currently in this space is privately with CEOs, founders, executives of, of organization, family offices, uh, helping them to increase performance and really work through a lot of you know, different things that we spoke about today and, and, a, and a bunch of others as well that, that lead to somebody performing at an extraordinarily high level, um, developing a level of mastery in the area that they deem to be most important and ensuring that it, it crosses over into every dimension of their life from the wealth to relationships to business and each other other components. So I absolutely love doing that. I uh, love doing that with, uh, with remarkable people and helping them get better. Uh, the speaking side is, yeah, especially in the North America, uh, I'm doing it around the world as well, but uh, yeah, North America is definitely a, a major focus of mine at the moment. It's the reason for getting and being a permanent resident here, and um, you know, the grand piano on stage. Which I, yeah, I, I feel I'm only I've only just scratched the surface. On I've done some. I look back and go, yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff you've done, man. But there, I, I really do feel on the speaking side that I've only just scratched the surface on what will come next. So uh, one of the things I would say when I ask myself the question, what, would I, what have I regretted now in terms of if I died today, it would be that I haven't given a talk with a grand piano out under the stars um, in nature somewhere. And so some kind of retreat, um, and I know I'll, I'll do more of those in the future. Um, and so that's a, that's a focus as well as just really challenging what's possible on stage as well when it comes to whether there's a string quartet there or a full orchestra or a rock band or if it's just me on a grand piano in the middle of the room with with candles around um you know being a speaker resource for ypo is a is a big part of that and and you know the events that i do for different chapters and regions around the world which is i love i absolutely love uh, that partnership uh, but also external with companies and you know in the corporate space and uh, other areas so uh really excited and about uh what i what I've been able to do in that space, but also what's coming next. Um, and then, yeah, music side is we'll, we'll continue to, to drive uh, completed projects, released a couple of piano albums recently. The long-term view of that, it's not a right now thing, but uh, having TV and uh, having music in TV and film is like, uh, you know, we have a five-phase uh, plan that we're working through. Uh, at the moment, uh, overall for the business, and uh, and music and TV and film is like phase five. <laughs> We're in phase two. We've reached into phase two now. Um, so it's uh, it's not a component, but it's definitely something that over the next five, ten, twenty years um, is something that I that I look forward to experiencing in a in a you know feature film type of capacity or uh, well known TV. And I think that just comes back to the stories that I tell within the songs that I write and allowing them to live on in new, beautiful ways and for that to have a timelessness to it as well, which we spoke a lot about. So, yeah, they're, they're the three three big aspects. Um, you know, social at, at Cameron Atlas is where I um, post some, you know, post a bunch of stuff, whether that's LinkedIn and um, then over on Insta and Facebook and things like that. Um, but, yeah. It's, uh, you do that, you do that on the social, on. but where, where if they want to see some, some of the talks you've given, because I know your Italy TEDx talk is on YouTube. Is there a singular place? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, put it in the notes, I mean, but just let if us you know. go to, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you go to the the website cameronatlas.com forward slash speaking, that's probably like a, that's a nice place to go. And then yeah, you, usually YouTube is is a good place to go. There'll be within the the other social you know different social channels there are um, snippets and things like that, and you know things that have been cut up. And so, uh, but yeah, if you go cameronatlas.com forward slash speaking, there's a speaker kit there as well that has, it's like a 19 page speaker kit that has a bunch of details in there too. So yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different resources there that people can, can grab hold of. Excellent. And last thing on the music, Spotify, Apple, where do you put it? Yeah, Spotify. Yeah, all the all the good stuff, all the good ones. <laughs> Make sure you send me those um, if I don't have them all so that we can, um, we can put them in the, the notes for this yeah sounds good perfect put on the cam cameron atlas uh spotify playlist <laughs> cam is there anything i love didn't it, ask you that you wanted to share the floor is yours i feel that we'll we'll go through you know we'll do it again in a in a few months we'll go through that but uh i, I would say we'll touch on it obviously when we go through the guitar component but one thing that i've that i've learned from the last few years in addition to the things that we've already spoken about and, and spoken about at length mm. is once you lock in where it is that you're going, the discipline to follow through with that is, is what can lead to the mastery occurring. And when it comes to mastery, the reason why it shifted my values, my values, my number one value was freedom for a long time. And now it's mastery. And what I discovered and realized is that freedom comes from a depth of understanding. Mm. There is a different type of freedom that you can experience, but it's more of a either short-term freedom or an immediate freedom that you experience. Yeah, you can have it from going on a trip. You can get it from going on a social. You can get it from eating some crappy food. You can get it from insert thing here that you can get immediately. But there's something extraordinarily gratifying from generating the freedom from a depth of understanding. And what I mean from a depth of understanding is, I know for me, specifically on the on the piano, guitar will come in five, 10, 15 years. On the piano, I'm playing for 30 plus years now. That has, uh, I'm able to see where I can go where I couldn't see before. I'm able to notice places that I can create beauty in. I notice where I can go next and then how I can join things together that people that other people don't see. And there'll always there will be a forever a pursuit of mastery around that in these key areas. Uh, but that's what I'd say is that there is each time that I that I have a reflection moment, the reason why that type of freedom, which is a long-term freedom, is so rewarding is because whenever I experience that level of freedom, there's usually also an experience of reflection of what it took to generate that freedom. And it's all the hours that I put in, it's all the sacrifice, it's the dedication, it's the discipline, it's everything that I love about myself that I get to experience each time I go to play now. And I had this insight years ago that most people will choose short-term freedom at the expense of long-term pain rather than choosing short-term pain with the benefit of long-term freedom. And for those of you tuning in, there'll be a number of you who really resonate with that. And if you take that on, there are extraordinary things that await when you commit and 
put in the hours and are disciplined enough to see something through to completion, knowing that you'll always there'll always be another level and another level and another level. But the level of uh, freedom that comes from a depth of understanding is something that I've only really started to realize and understand the true power of. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say that one. That is a good moment to, uh, or a good thought and uh, some wise words to end it on. Uh, something I need reminding of myself every now and again tend to also like the short-term freedom stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a time and a place for it, time and a place for it, right? But uh, if, if, it over, if it overrides, if it overrides, that's when it becomes an issue. So, yeah. I get you. And, and you're such a gift <laughs> to those who've had a chance to, to be coached by you, to have seen you speak, to have connected with you on your artistic projects. You, have, you are a gift of a friend. And... Uh, you have just been a gift to everyone who's listening to this podcast and I'm, I'm just grateful for you, brother. Look forward to doing this again. Sorry. I sucked and not couldn't get to all my questions. <laughs> Dude, that's, I, I, I love, I love where we went with it. I love that we're able to, I, I love these types of conversations. I love you. I respect you. I'm inspired by the work that you're doing. Uh, keep up the great work. And uh, yeah, we, I, I love the conversation today. So appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share some of the things that have, that have been deeply impactful for me personally. And hopefully for those tuning in, um, it's been helpful as well. Thank you, Ken. As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. No, there is a lot of podcasts out there, so we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you and make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others, you know, all that great stuff. So if the spirit does move you, subscribe, share, post, anything, we'd be forever grateful. And if you have any comments or feedback, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. We're here to listen. Guests you think we should have on, of course, send them along. Thank you. And until next time, peace. Hey, thanks so much for making it to the end of the podcast. I know that my self and of course my guests really appreciate you listening all the way through you know, they put a lot of time into their projects and their ideas and and you know, they're very thoughtful with how they they bring themselves and show up on the show and so i'm really grateful that uh, that you've listened all the way through you know we don't have ads on the show i think i don't think red circles running ads but i wanted to take just a quick second to say that hey if the spirit moves you you know this podcast can be brought to you by some of the wild, fun, wacky, creative things I do. I always try and stay in the practice of creativity, whether that's writing or working on films or uh, just about anything. I, I try and be very diligent that I'm, I'm doing it consistently. And so, you know, as a result of that, I put some things out and, and I'd love for you to check them out. You know, one is uh, Getting Naked, The Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship and Startups. That's my book and you can get it anywhere where books are sold online like Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or Indigo. And uh, it's the story of my company, Naked Underwear, the first company I started that went from a failed attempt on Dragon's Den, um, your, that's your Shark Tank in America, to the NASDAQ and was eventually divested. And it has a ton of tips and ideas for startups, very practical advice, but it's always also interwoven with my own story, which I think entrepreneurs and creatives and artists can really, uh, would really relate to, uh, you know, has almost 150 
five-ish star, four and a half star reviews. And I think people, if you're going through, you know, a startup, need some motivation, need some ideas, just want to feel like, hey, there's a kindred spirit out there. You know, it's a great book to check out. Also, you can check out my blog at joelprimus.com forward slash blog, where I write a couple of blogs a month about a variety of topics, a lot of stuff on fitness, things like how to know when to quit, a lot of personal development, psychedelics, all kinds of things. Everything's written from a personal lens. And, uh, you know, it's just a great way to digest a little bit of hopefully fun and helpful and inspiration. And of course, keep checking out this podcast, The Ramble on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever your podcatcher of choice is. Thanks again and have an awesome day, week, month, whatever it is.